0: Good morning, guys. Um, I'm going to be changing the publishing, or when I publish the the podcast, to Saturday mornings, simply because um, depending on how my week goes, is really hard to get it all sorted by Friday, and I hate leaving you all hanging. Though it's not so many of you just now, but nonetheless. So I hope you had an amazing week um, today. I'm going to talk about books and reading, and. I don't know. I just think uh, sometimes it's difficult to find a bit of inspiration. But also, I think what is really interesting, you know, I love psychology and stuff like that, is how what we read changes so much according to whatever we're going through in life or just um, age, I guess, and lots of different things. So, and I, okay, so basically, my mom is a voracious reader, and I'm telling, I'm, I mean, she will read anything, absolutely all sorts of books, all sorts of genres. And when I was little, I grew up surrounded by books, and also my mom used to buy me lots of books, and she was traumatised by the fact that I didn't really like books. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I like books, so if someone read me a book or there were pictures and stuff like that, I loved it, but I got really bored by books. And I like my daughter Violeta, who likes stories and stuff like that, but she doesn't really, is not into reading. That's more because of her dyslexia, so reading is quite challenging. With her Lila, on the other hand, is a bit like my mom, a voracious reader. But for me, it wasn't that it was hard reading. I did very well in Spanish and Catherine and everything. I just, I don't know. I, was, I think I was too active, a bit like now it's like I want to do physical things. So for me, sitting down and doing something that's, that requires a lot of thinking and just stuff like this is, is quite challenging. So I didn't, I wasn't so much into books and my mom was traumatized. She kept buying me. I had such a humongous amount of books, spe- especially what my girls call chapter books, which are the ones without so many pictures. And I really struggled. And I remember there was this book that I tried to read so many times. So, this went on for quite a while and I think I started getting into books, actually, in my teens. So, when I was in secondary school, um, we did I did Spanish literature and Catalan literature. I don't know exactly because I wasn't, I can't remember that by then I was an avid reader already. I don't know, I can't remember it to be honest. So my first memory of really getting into books was in secondary school and for some reason it was I think the first couple of years you had literature, Spanish and Catalan literature was compulsory, so I think you had to read those books no matter what. And actually I think I was very lucky because the books that they made us read and I think especially in Catalan literature were very, very, very gripping, I don't know, I just really got into it and... Um, So, for example, there was, so there's this fascist asshole in Spain that, uh, his name was Camilo José Cela. And there's a book that he wrote, which is El Espíritu de la Colmena, which is like the spirit of the beehive, I think. But I don't know what the the translation, I'm going to make a list um, of the books that I'm talking about today. Um, and I'll just uh, find the, tr- the proper translations and I'll post them on my on the on the social media and stuff like that. And um, so basically, uh, wait, <laughs> I'm right, trying to make a note. <laughs> so I started reading him and I started reading some of Catalan of uh, some Catalan literature. And I just became Fascinated. Suddenly, I started getting into it. And then, later on in secondary school, when you get to 16, I think, it is that you then get to choose your subjects and stuff like that a bit more. I got very much into philosophy. And believe it or not, I started reading the kind of thing that really got me. And I think that's when I really became absorbed by, by literature, was I was reading The Unbearable Lightness of Being by... Milan Kundera, I was reading Boris Vian, uh, Kafka's Metamorphosis, and, <laughs> which is quite mental. Um, actually, I'm remembering. So graphic novels, they're quite cool. And I kind of like them. Like in Spain, there is this um, very left wing, very um, libertarian um, comic that takes a piece of politics but also is like shakes a bit the status quo but everything is through comic so there's lots of different people that always every single week they have something in there and I it's called El Jueves which means Thursday because it comes on Wednesday I don't know it's funny and uh, I absolutely love that and I think I started to read it when I was 15 actually something that's really funny too so when I was about eight in the toilet, the magazines that were there was a Penthouse. <laughs> and I there was a really good storytelling column towards the end of Penthouse, which I used to love to read. And then, which I'm supposing that is quite, se- quite, quite sensual or something, but I can't remember. And then there was a comic at the end, too. And I liked reading the comic, which is a bit crazy, isn't it? Uh, Nine ten. I'm reading this penthouse in the toilet, but anyway. So apart from that, it was so. There is this guy in Argentina who um, was talking a lot about the political situation worldwide, but also very much in South America. And his name is Kino, and he created this series of comic books called Mafalda, and it's so funny because they are quite small; they are rectangular. I mean, the the books in themselves are not small, it's just uh, the shape of the book, the way it's published is quite small. So Mafalda, and so it's it's a child and there is her friends that are around her age or younger, a bit older. And each of them represents like um, probably a political or economic or just social view of society. And then basically there's all these interactions and the way they react to anything is depending on that. And I think this is one of the first things I got really hooked on. So actually before I started reading literature, I think I, I really was into comics. So I liked that one and I liked Tintin, which I know now that it's a Nazi, which is horrendous, but I used to love Tintin. But I used to love Asterix, actually. Absolutely loved Asterix. So there is those. So, I mean, I don't know if I had to choose something that I absolutely loved being very young. It was Mafalda, definitely. And still, I still have them. And it's still so easy to read them because they are. you don't need to be a child to get into them. I don't think there is much translation of Mafalda. But again, I'm going to have a look. And if I find the link or something, I'll put it on my, on my thing because it's really interesting. And I think it's really funny because he published them in the 70s, 80s. And I think they still you can still apply them. So yeah, that's my father. Okay, so my reading. So I think then I got more intensely into reading potentially when I moved to Glasgow. So that was in my early 20s. I'd been reading a lot of things like philosophy and also, I don't know, I guess I read a bit of everything at that point, but everything was like... um, I think it was quite uh, impressionist and philosophical or maybe more classics, but everything from the 20th century. So maybe because of the inspiration of the of literature and how Spanish and Catalan literature had affected me. And I discovered all these books. Like, um, wait, I've got some of them. So, um, okay, no, actually... But yeah, <laughs> sorry. So I told you it was the, El Espíritu de la Colmena is something that is quite relevant. But then, yeah, a lot of Boris Vian and Kant and The Metamorphosis by Kafka. So it was really funny because we had a group of friends. I mean, I have to say that my favorite subject at secondary school was philosophy. And we were so much into it that we had um, our exams were on demand. It was only me and three of my friends, and it's because we were so into the philosophy that sometimes we will say to our teachers, "We're not coming to class because we want to talk about this uh, this um, theory of this uh, philosophist. and we will go to a cafe and just have a two hour chat <laughs> about that philosopher because we were so obsessed about it. And I actually think. That they, I think there is actually a really strong link between, perhaps the way your intelligence develops and also your thought process, and studying philosophy. And I mean, if it was for me, my children would have to compulsively study philosophy in secondary school. I think is super important. Is the is the the knowledge, the understanding of thought, isn't it? So I think this is why my first fascination with books potentially was very much into philosophers. And I have to say that I have later on in life, I have tried to read some of these books and I can't. And but we'll come back to this because this is what I say that depending on what is going on in your life and also what stage in your life you are, it's like it's a different book. So sometimes if you have always read something, one type of book, and suddenly you are incapable of reading that, it doesn't mean that you stop reading, it's you it's stopped enjoying reading. It just maybe means that you have to find something else that talks to you better at that point but i mean i have to say i think reading is super important um so yeah i mean now i'm a lot more into podcasts perhaps because my life is quite crazy and sometimes i don't have the patience to find something at the same time actually and i'm going to diverge a little bit here but Sometimes there is something really amazing, and I think we are losing a lot of this. So I know Amazon and stuff like that, if that's where you buy your books, tries to learn a bit your behaviors and what you like. But there is something about a really, really good um, book, I mean, bookshop um, worker, like someone that works there and they love what they're doing, or even a library person. And it's um, last year uh, when Laura and I went to Dubrovnik for my birthday, I finished the book I was reading. So we found a bookshop uh, that was this small bookshop in the very, very main street in the center of the in the old part. And... It was a small place full of books and there were sections in most languages. So it was really cool. And I started looking for a book and I started picking up some of the books. And some of the books were books that I had already read. And, I, and then I was reading the one, I was looking for the ones next to them. And actually this girl, and she was quite young. She must have been in her early 20s. She approaches me and says, if I am right, and these books, and she showed the, some of the ones that I had read are the ones that you like, this book you will love. And uh, she gave me this book by Elif Shafak, um, which is 10 minutes, 38 seconds and three. I don't know, something like that. And it's, it was amazing. And I thought I wanted someone like this. Every single time I need to, I want to read a new book, I want someone to come and say to me, because you like this, you're going to like this one she made it so easy. And then I was completely absorbed by the book. So I think this is a magic that is disappearing a lot. And I think it's really sad. Anyway, so that was my diversion. But I hope you, you bear with me and, and you appreciate the, the magic of the story. Anyway, so then it was really funny because uh, when I was in Glasgow, I didn't read very much for a bit, I don't remember. Or probably I read, but I wasn't completely obsessed. But then um, at some point when I had gone back to live in Glasgow and everything, and just before we came, I mean, I, I don't know. I think when I moved in with David and his brother, I always said I even like fantasy. But Martin completely, and Martin is David's brother, and David to some degree were into fantasy. And they had this, ser- this series, which is uh, linked to the Belgareth. Well, Ber- the Belgareth is, is in it. It's by David Eddings. And actually, I found out that his wife also helped, but because it's a very chauvinistic world, the, the world of fantasy, then she wasn't named so much in the books. So um, I think it's about 12, 14 books. And I could not put them down. And I'm telling you that I probably, until I finished the 12 books, I was so antisocial, I wouldn't hold very many conversations. I was so obsessed. And it's funny because I was working in a bar and... I was desperate to go back home so I could carry on breathing. And one night, David tried to make me an amazing dinner and he bought these tiger prawns. And then I was stuck in the heads of the tiger prawns and I pierced my mouth with one of the, the antenna of the prawns. And the following morning, I woke up and I was like elephant woman because it had infected my cheek. And because I worked in a bar facing the public, my boss told me, OK, don't come until it goes down. So I was for two or three days. My face was inflamed. And I seriously, I can't believe I have no photos of them. But um, I was like elephant woman. And in Menta, I spent about 48 hours just being able to read, read the, the Belgaris thing. So there you go. I mean, having said that, I haven't found very much more fantasy after that, that I really liked or just pure fantasy. But I remember this and I actually still have the series here and I'm trying to convince Lila to give them a try, which was really cool. So after that, actually, the other really clear... I mean, I've read bef- Windows, but I think my, I'm giving you more of a, the, the ones that really stick with you, you know, when you really remember reading something. So then in about 2002 which is when David got his graduate job down here in London and we moved to London. And I knew that summer I was really stressed because I knew I was going to start university and I was self-doubting my language skills to go to university in English. I spent the whole summer reading the whole, the complete works of Jane Austen and especially Pride and Prejudice, and I read that over the summer. And as a result, when they did the test, because here in London, a lot of the time the universities, especially for mature students, but in in general universities, they will do an entry maths and English test, and I think it's to understand who needs support and stuff like that. I did amazing in English, even better than um, uh, my friend James. He was English, and he started uni with me, and then we were laughing about this. So there. Then a, a constant that I've always had was John Irving. And it was, I fell in love with John Irving with The World According to Garp. And I still, is still one of my favourite books. I mean, I've tried to read it lately and I didn't get so absorbed, but I still remember the feelings and the way it's written. And I don't know, there's something about John Irving that I find, I like the way he 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 writes. And actually it shows you that someone can be very creative with and even though always the stories they have certain commonalities like the environment where they are written the kind of stories the kind of family dynamics of those characters there's lots it's, it's really funny because there's lots of commonalities but yet is very creative so each of his books they, are, they have this crazy edge and this brings me to my point so my favorite genre. All my life, but I think it's specifically, I mean, especially in the last few years, I've become very, very aware and also it's even intensified how much I like this genre. And I have to say, I spent about 40 minutes yesterday trying to find out what it is called. So it is fiction, but my favorite genre genre is magical realism and psychological fiction and they're a bit similar so basically it's a kind of uh, things that are kind of possible but they are a bit crazy (laughs) and uh, I think the psychological fiction is very very obvious because I am so much into the sociology and psychology and why we are the way we are and how can we how some people are so quirky and stuff like that so yeah so magical realism um I know I mean I'll talk about this later, but there is the fiction versus non-fiction and I'm gonna talk a bit about what that how some people are more into it or not. But I'm gonna talk about fiction. I mean non uh, yeah, fiction because that's what I have always really enjoyed to be honest. So I absolutely loved Harry Potter. I hate the movies. I don't hate them. I just I loved the story, reading the books, to the point that I had the subscription. And the day that a new Harry Potter went to the shops, I will receive it at home before 8am, thanks to Amazon. And this, we are talking about 2003, okay, or 2004, so it's crazy. But um, I absolutely loved Harry Potter, I read them all as soon as they were out. And then I watched a few of the movies and then it got to the point that it, I found it so disruptive to the world I had created reading Harry Potter that I just couldn't deal with it. Um, but then it's like the, the, the rest of it is like things like... Uh, David and I went through... We discovered Gabriel García Márquez, which is... Uh, he wrote things like... Um, I don't know, well, uh, love in the time of cholera and things like that. And David and I basically read one after the other every single book. 100 Years of Solitude, everything by Gabriel García Márquez, both of us. And it's like we were buying two books and one was reading one first and the other one the other. And then we just like, it went for about four or five months that we couldn't stop reading Gabriel García Márquez and we were exchanging books. And it's funny because David and I don't share very much, very similar book type. Like, we like very different books. Yet, this is something that we both got completely obsessed with. And again, this is very much magical realism. Then, uh, there is the House of Spirits. And this is Isabel Allende. So, Isabel Allende is a Chilean, I mean, okay, Gabriel García Márquez is, is Colombian. Having said that, me being Spanish, I read Gabriel García Márquez, everything of his, in English. Ah, uh, very good translations. Obviously, then Isabel Allende is the. is actually the, the is Chilean. She is related to to uh, Allende, the Chilean politician, lefty, and her all this, her stuff is also magical realism with a hint of politics everywhere, potentially because of who her father was. And then there is the, the thing, another bit of fantasy that I find very cool and I also find quite political is The Dark Materials. And I don't know if you've read them by Philip Pullman and it's a trilogy. And again, it's really amazing. And they've done movies Nothing. Um, Nicole Kidman is in the movies. I think I've watched one of the movies. But anyway, that one is super cool too. So in more of the magical realism, there's The Time Traveller's Wife. And I don't know if you've read it. I know that it's a movie and it's quite a good movie, but the book is even better. So again, it's like, I like this thing in which is normal life, is it's a normal environment, but there is this really crazy story that's going on. And I think a bit, I'm a bit the same with movies. I like very indie movies. I like things like Juno and, um, I don't know, um, the Silver Linings playlist and stuff like that but uh, there is oh what what's the name oh crap I hate it okay if I remember it I'll do a post about the, the movie I'm thinking about but it's also the kind of a story so sometimes you can find this kind of magical realism in movies and I wonder whether there's a book about some of this book about some of these movies that I'm thinking about anyway I'll provide a list don't worry about it So psychological fiction. So this thing like A Spot of Bother, and it sounds like what? But it's actually the kind of books that really I get completely invested in. Or Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Or there is the woman who went to bed for a year. And all of these are like stories of a person that could... It's very, very possible that people like this exist, but for whatever, they're going through massive change in their lives, so or rethinking of themselves, and is the way the story is told and I don't know whether the reason why I like them is because it explains certain things and kind of says it's it's okay to behave in a weird way sometimes when you're going through shit, so I think these are amazing books, and uh, I was like, you know the incident. The Night Incident with a Dog in the Night or The Incident with a Dog in the Night Time, or something like that, which is about a boy with autism. Um, the Virgin Suicide, which is a bit harsh, but I really, really loved that book. Um, I don't know, I'm trying to think. Uh, there's one about the, old, the 100-year-old man that jumped out the window, or something like that. That one is absolutely hilarious, too. And again, it's psychological fiction, and it's these stories of people reaching this point of like, I've had enough, or this sucks, and this is my reaction. Instead of trying to behave and trying to keep on within the boundaries, I'm just going to express what I feel, and I'm going to leave what I feel and fuck it. So those are really, really cool and really intelligent, and I think also a lot of the time it's about the way things are written. And then there is a bit of uh, historical fiction, I think, that I like. so, And especially from the the 40s and 50s, there's things like uh, the Potato Peel Com- uh, Society or something like that, or the Book on Potato Peel Society, which is, and I don't know whether, I think it's a true story. And they, I read the book and then I watched the movie because they did a, book, a movie about it a few years ago. And basically it's about uh, during I think it was it the Isle of Wight or something like that, or Jersey, no, the Jersey. So it's the Jersey... Potato Peel Society, and it was about a kind of a resistance group in Jersey, uh, which was is really, really cool. And then there is Dear Mrs. Burt, and this one is fiction, uh, but again, it's a bit on the same subject. It's a post-war, and usually it's always from a woman's point of view that I like these books, because I think... I don't know, it shows you a bit of what was going on in history, especially around the war time time and stuff like that, but from woman, and I think it was because it was a really, especially here in Britain, it was a very big turn into how women were seen and what their powers were, and also about the way women saw themselves. So there's Dear Mrs. Bird, which is about a girl that wants to be um, write, write, be a writer, basically, and she takes over this article by uh, without telling anyone in the newspaper and then there is a sugar girls, which again i think is a true story and it's about is it castor and lyle or not something like that oh i can't remember but anyway is the the big sugar company here in and actually you can see the the factories in the by the chains if you go on the dlr I can't remember where you're going, if you're going to see it, but the, there's the factory there. So, oh yes, if you're going towards city airport. So it's about the sugar sugar goals. Um, so these kind of books are really cool. And again, I think this is the feminist side. It's about seeing how women were trying to, they, they used the fact that mostly men weren't in the normal in normal life to kind of break rules a bit and try to, to impose their rights to be equal civilians. So that's really cool. And now I'm going to bring a bit of, I mean, as I said, I'm going to write lots of these books in the post so you can see them, guys. But fiction versus nonfiction. And I think that, I mean, obviously, if you study or you're learning things, you always go through periods of reading nonfiction because it's about learning, it's about skills and it's about knowledge and stuff like that although I still think that you can learn lots of the others from fiction. But I think there are a lot of people that are very, very focused on nonfiction. And I think, uh, which is amazing, it's great. But for me, I always struggled a bit. And at certain points, I mean, I am very passionate about buying books and I love buying books about knowledge and specific skills, but I have to admit I am so extremely inconsistent in reading through them. I get very stuck and very fed up. And I think it's because if something can't absorb me completely, I just get very distracted because I like doing things that are more active. Or I like something that absorbs me more. And maybe this has got something to do with my crazy thirst for stuff. But um, I think regardless, I think the important thing is Reading. And I am a compulsive uh, collector of recipe books. And finally, enough, being a chef um, and, and a nutritionist, I've got lots of nutrition books too. But for me, they're more like a reference. It's like I don't tend to read the whole thing or to go and follow a recipe, but sometimes I'll just grab one of the books and I'll just pass the pages and I look at the recipes and I look at the ingredients and maybe I'll look at a method of cooking because something about the, the recipe the, the the meal sounds interesting. But I is is more for inspiration. I think it's a bit what happens to me with nonfiction. And I think ideally everyone should have a perfect balance of f- fiction and non-fiction. But I do wonder how how you choose and how you read one or the other and how you balance it out. Uh, I have to say for me, the two, I mean, the first cookery book I got a lot into, and you're going to laugh, but it's true. And I still like his recipes, although he annoys me a little bit. He annoys me a bit is more the way he he presents himself, but I quite like the way he views cooking, which is Jamie Oliver and the first book that I got from him was The Naked Chef and actually I started trying lots of things that I had never tried because of this book and then my absolute favourite, best ever the place that I always go to and the one book that I always follow all the recipes to a tea is the Leeds uh, Cooking Bible and I'm gonna, I'm going to take a photo and I'm going to post it It's an amazing, amazing book. If you ever wanted to learn to do things from A to B, from a ketchup sauce to mayonnaise to short crust to bread to a roast to stuffing a fish, sausages, scones, it's just anything, a ganache, anything that you can think of, Liz's Bible. And Liz is one of the most amazing cookery schools. It's quite expensive. And basically, it, it just absolutely amazing and uh, I'm going to finish by telling you a bit what I'm reading now so what I'm reading is for leisure I'm reading oh I can't remember now it's upstairs okay you're going to hear me I'm going to do it after so basically I am reading uh, a bit of the book you wish your parents had read by Philippa Perry and it's a bit about parenting and again it's a book I mean I'm going to talk about parenting with you Then for my course, I am reading Hypnotherapy, a Practical Handbook Hypnosis for Change The New Hypnotherapy Handbook The Art of Hypnosis And First Steps in Counselling So that's quite interesting, I think But wait, I'm going to take you with me upstairs Because I want to tell you about the book I'm reading And the book I'm reading right now, for pleasure is beautiful I thought... Is, I had this book because I had read it before but I think David may have read it and that's why I have it because I don't recall it as I'm going but actually it's beautiful or maybe I started it and I never read it completely but it's uh, called Half of a Yellow Sun and it's by Chimamanda and Gozi Adichie, and it's talking it's a fictional story about the how the well about a group of people, a mixed group of people in Nigeria when the Nigerian Civil War started, although it's not started yet and I'm nearly halfway through the book. But it is beautiful and also it's like I think I'm very always very interested in people and that's what gets me about a book. is more more than the story is about the development or how the discovery of that person rather than whatever they're going through. Although that's always entertaining. But I think it's about the quality of writing. I don't know. Anyway, I hope I didn't bore you. But I just think, I don't know, I would love you guys to please message me on Instagram at raw womanhood podcast altogether. Or on the Facebook, which is again, raw raw womanhood podcast. And just let me know what books you love and why or something about a gender that maybe I haven't spoken about. There is lots that I haven't spoken about because I don't want to give you an hour about books, but I want to know. I want to know what you like reading. I want to know what the one book that really said something to you and you went crazy about it Another thing is I've never given you uh, my email or the, the podcast email again is womanhood podcast altogether at gmail.com. So please let me know guys what do you read, what do you love reading? Share and I hope you enjoyed this. And remember, look at the silver linings. Be very happy. Try to enjoy your week. And please share, like, subscribe, everything I want people to be listening to me. I'm an egocentric, I'm afraid. But anyway, I hope you have a great week and I'll see you Saturday next week.